Hey everyone, this is Leela Sinha. Welcome to Power Pivot, the podcast version two. This is where we talk about business, leadership, ethics, community, and the way it all fits together. I'm glad you're here. Hi everyone. So I've been I've been pretty isolated during the pandemic, deliberately, and by choice and privilege, I have not so far been spending a lot of time out in places doing things, because out in places means out proximate to people, and people suddenly got really dangerous. But today, in the course of running some errands, I walked by the local branch of my library, and I decided that maybe I should pay them a quick visit. I grew up in libraries. I literally grew up in libraries every Saturday, many weekday nights. It was something I think that my mother could do with me that was not perplexing. And so we did it a lot. And my family has always valued learning and education And so, with their value of learning and education and my love of books, a lifelong love was born. And so when I'm feeling unsettled, when things don't feel right, when everything seems to be upside down and backwards, going to a library is soothing for me. I know this isn't true for everyone. I have a close friend who experienced libraries as places where she was told to shush and do things like study and not allowed to be curious or interested or active or excited. And I know that libraries aren't really all like that anymore, but that was fairly true when we were growing up. And and I understand why she feels that way. But my libraries, my library experience was an experience of refuge, an experience of imagination, an experience of possibility, an experience of a way to access things that were beyond my reach. So I went to the library, and this branch library is a beautiful little arts and crafts building on the corner of a major street and a minor street in my neighborhood, walking distance, exactly the way one thinks a small town library should be, except this isn't a small town. It has friendly librarians, several self-checkout stations, tables and lights and places to plug in, and ranks and ranks of books. And one of the books that I stumbled across in my futile attempt to get something lighthearted was called The Sabbath World by Judith Shulevitz. I promise this is related to business. So I picked up this book and I started paging through it because I've been increasingly engaged with the idea that Sabbath, that this idea of, of deliberate, structured rest is critical to good business. And that our loss of that over the course of mostly the Industrial Revolution, but also other things, has led us to a place as humanity where we are much less able to do good work in the right kind of time. We've lost this sense of rightness to timing, and instead, rightness belongs to the clock. 
she explores these ideas in some detail, even right in the beginning of the book. But, but I had already been thinking about them extensively, significantly. And I've also been thinking about how alarms set containers and containers make things possible, right? Boundaries make things possible. We can do this because we're not doing that. We can start this because we stopped that. We can make spaces where we need to make spaces. I set alarms not anymore to make sure that I'm awake, although there's a little bit of that still in there for me, but mostly to remind me that it's time to start turning toward my day. I can get caught up in all kinds of cogitation and ideation and never really turn toward the mechanics of my day or the things on my calendar if I don't set an alarm that says, okay, let's start turning toward the day. So that's what my morning alarms usually mean. Let's turn toward the day. It sets a a boundary between the liminality of the waking up space, of the preparing space, of the showering and praying space, and, and the the concreteness of my day. But even there, my days are at least 50% thinking. Thinking and dreaming and imagining and feeling my way into what's coming next. And that's not because I don't run a business. I do run a business. But because the kind of business I run relies on my brain having that space to do the work that my business calls for. So even even in the quotidian existence, there's this demand of my system and of the system for this spaciousness, for this space and time. And I believe that this is not unique to clergy who are often accorded this, even by contract, or to um, to academics who are often at least accorded a sabbatical time and are not considered to be, quote-unquote, not working if they're sitting in their office staring into space with a paper in front of them, but also everybody else. Everybody needs to be accorded this time. Everybody needs to be accorded this space. And when people are accorded this time and space, things come out of solution. They percolate out. My father is a chemical engineer, and when I was maybe in elementary school, maybe middle school, I learned about flocculants. I learned what the word flocculant means. A flocculant is usually a chemical that you add to a solution to cause something to come out of solution, usually as a solid. And and it, so it causes this stuff to like coalesce and fall down. I think of it as like snowing inside a, a vial of liquid or a vat of liquid. And and we need we need this space and time is actually the thing that makes that happen for us, that makes our brains create the space for us to have more original thoughts, to have deeper thoughts, to have more complex thoughts. Those things happen when we're not being stimulated externally, when we're not surrounding ourselves with words and ideas and videos. I I do all of that. I put all the stuff into my head and you know, this book is another way of putting things in, although I can much more easily stop and stare into space when she says something that I want to think about for a while. But when I think about running an ethical business, when I think about how do we construct a working world that is, in fact, continuously sustainable, of course we need time off, we need days off, we probably need half the week off. Honestly, 40 hours a week was supposed to be the starting point 
And then unions lost the power to negotiate for what actually makes sense for human beings. But they're coming back. I hope they're coming back. And also, we shouldn't, as owners of businesses, we should not require unions to force us into that. We should not require this kind of negotiation to force us into that. We should be able to come up with this on our own. You know, every time unions try to organize in like Starbucks or something, they try to convince the people who are trying to organize that, oh, we're friends. You don't need to organize with us. We're going to take care of you. But they're not taking care of them. That's why the organizing is happening. So I think unions should exist. I think that's fine. I think collective bargaining makes a lot of sense. And I think that as owners of businesses, as people in charge of departments, as people in management roles, we need to be proactively meeting the needs of our people so that they don't have to negotiate as hard to get their needs met. It works better for everyone. It makes for a better business, a better work environment, more productive employees in the end. But even if it didn't, even if people were less productive as a result of having their needs met, it would still be the right thing to do. And that's why we should do it. So as business owners, my question for us, and it's an ongoing question, but my question for us is how, how are we creating spaciousness in the rhythm and cadence of our businesses and in the rhythm and cadence of our business transactions? So if I ask someone for something, most of the time, how do I make sure that I'm not forcing them into an undue rush? How do I make sure that I'm not forcing them into overstretching their capacity. I want them to give me the thing. I may have a schedule I'd like to have it on, but what are the things I can do to make that a more humane transaction, more transaction between humans and less a transaction between business entities, even if it is a transaction between business entities? How can, how can we, as business owners, be that change, affect that change right now in our, in our interactions? What can we do? How can we communicate better? How can we plan better? How can we anticipate better? How can we create more buffers, more spaciousness in our own schedule so if somebody does need something in a hurry, it doesn't actually stress us out? It's like, oh yeah, I always keep extra buffer space in my schedule for that. How do we make those spaces in our stuff so that the lives of ourselves and the people we interact with and our workers are all transformed, are all more spacious, all have a continuous rest. Sabbath is a great thing, and I'll probably keep talking about it because I'm thinking about it a lot, but, but Sabbath taking days off, 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 away from work, off, is only part of it. The other part of it is this sustained rest, this continuous rest. Rest is a continuous practice while also working. And that's the thing that we have the most power to support. So how are we going to do that? This has been Power Pivot, the podcast. I'm your host, Leela Sinha. Thank you for listening. I offer gratitude for the earth and sky and the support and care of many who cross my path. Our post-production assistance is provided by William Jameson, and you can find him at jamesonav.net. You can find more of me and my work, including leadership consulting and keynotes, at intensiveinstitute.com.